You're listening to the Video Marketing Podcast, helping you go a little more viral every day. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we're talking about LinkedIn video ads. We've never talked about this on the show. I've never talked about it anywhere, not even privately in a bar or who goes who goes to bars anymore. I guess it's really been a long time, but uh, <laughs> I've never <laughs> talked about it to anybody. What is a LinkedIn video ad and what makes it work? Uh, I have one of the top LinkedIn ads guys really on the planet. Everybody knows AJ Wilcox. He is the best founder of B2 Link. AJ, thanks so much for being here. Matt, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. AJ and I have been chatting here for a while for the podcast. Can't shut us up. Um, we're <laughs> super fun. Uh, we've both done a lot of stuff for social media examiner and, uh, and, uh, certainly both run big agencies. So there you go. Just so you know a little about AJ, he's a, he's a, he's a LinkedIn ads pro founded B2 linked, uh, as, as I said before, it's B2link.com. Uh, it's LinkedIn ads specific agency founded it in 2014. So that sucker has been going for a while, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, Six and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, AJ's, uh, he's, he's an official LinkedIn partner, host of the LinkedIn ads show podcast, uh, and has managed some of the world's biggest LinkedIn ads accounts worldwide, which is super cool. Oh, and you're a triathlete. I just see on my info sheet. Now that is impressive. I want to hear more about that. Sweet. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So, so, so just give us a little bit of your story, AJ. How did you get into this, this LinkedIn ads world? Well, it was funny. I started out as a search engine optimization guy and I loved SEO um, to a lesser degree, really liked Google ads, but that was kind of my upbringing and that was my world in digital. And, and I got brought into a B2B SaaS company and this has been you know 10 years ago, but on my very first day, I report to my, my new boss, the CMO, and I laid out all of my marketing strategies for, you know, uh, Google display and Google search and, and my SEO campaigns. And I remember her saying, okay, all that sounds great. Go ahead and execute it. But just so you know, we started a pilot with LinkedIn ads about two weeks ago, see what you can do. And of course I saluted and said, yes, ma'am, absolutely. But I walked out of her office mm -hmm. and went, I've never heard of a LinkedIn ads before. What is this? <laughs> and uh, just not wanting to look stupid, I, I dove in. And about two weeks later, I had a sales rep who came up to me and said, AJ, we don't know what you're doing over here, but all of us are fighting over your leads. Keep it up. So being studious, I, I went and looked at those leads in the CRM and 100% of the leads he mentioned came from LinkedIn ads. And he was not talking about anything from any other channel. So that was my first clue that like, oh, wow, maybe there's something underappreciated about this ad channel. That's awesome. What, what was it? What, so, so, so what was it at that time? Was it just a simple image ad like we always see? I mean, what, what, were, what, what was generating all those leads at the time? I'm sure yeah. that it's changed a lot over what works over time. Oh, it totally has. I mean, what it was back then, and like I said, this has been 10 years ago, the only ad format that LinkedIn had were called text ads. And they were over in the right rail. They, mm. they still exist. Anyone can run them. And we still actually really like them, but they're only visible on desktop. It's a tiny little 150 by 150 pixel image. Uh, and that's what we scaled. And I, I scaled it to become LinkedIn's largest spending account in the world on just these text ads. It was awesome. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, so, so 
let's talk a little bit about, let's dig into video ads on LinkedIn. Um, there's just less awareness around them, what works, all of these things, right? I mean, so let's, let, let, let's start here. Let's start with this question because I think that everybody, I think before we dive into video specifically, um, and I know you've talked about this a lot on other podcasts that I've heard, but I think everybody here needs to hear it. Who should be even bothering with LinkedIn ads? Because you have to have like a pretty, a pretty uh, high ticket product, right? Or a high lifetime value. Yes, exactly. That, that's the thing that everyone probably understands the very first time they hear about or, or try LinkedIn ads is they are expensive sure. when you compare to uh, you know, anything else social related. In North America, we pay an average of like eight to twelve dollars per click, but on Facebook, maybe you pay you know one to three dollars per click for a B two B type of offer. So yeah, sig- you know, significantly more expensive. And what that means is you have to have a higher budget to get the same level of data to to know whether or not it's working, and you have to have a higher lifetime value on the back end to make up for the more that you have to pay to you know get those initial clicks. So what I tell people is if you're focused on North America, if you have a lifetime value of $15,000 or more, then LinkedIn ads are pretty much a no-brainer. If you're elsewhere in the world, like Europe is probably 30 or 40% less expensive on a per-click basis. So it means if your lifetime value is 30 to 40% lower than that, then again, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So that segments out some folks and, you know, we're obviously talking about B2B here. Um, and is a lot of this driven by CPMs as well? Like, are we talking like hundred dollar CPMs? Sometimes, I mean, on the low side, you'll probably see CPMs in the, uh, call it $55 range. And on the high side, we've seen CPMs all the way up to like 185. So yeah, it, it's, they can be significant. So get out your wallet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. <laughs> sure. Okay. So why don't we quickly run through what the options are besides video? So, so, so what are the basic, what's the basic creative that you would test when you're running a LinkedIn ads campaign? The first one I recommend is it's the standard, uh, they call it a single image post. It's, it's the in-feed ad, very similar to that of, of Facebook's kind of standard Um and that's a great place to start. Then of course we have video, we have carousel like Facebook does. So you can have multiple calls to action in the same thing. Um, you can have those text ads like we talked about and you have these messaging types of ad formats. One's like a chat bot and one's like a, a pay per send kind of an email that you can send to specific type of people. And the last one's called dynamic ads and I, I don't hardly recommend it at all, but it actually, sticks the prospect's face inside of the ad itself. And uh, so sometimes they're, they're called LinkedIn's creepiest ad format. <laughs> mm, yeah, right, right, right. So what's, um, how do I decide what kind of creatives I should invest in making if I'm going to design a LinkedIn ads campaign? I think 95% of your success or lack thereof is going to revolve around the offer. Uh, if the call to action you're providing has inherent value in it, uh, people will, you know, forgive you for anything else, spelling errors for a crappy landing page, and they'll follow all over themselves to convert. So it, it really comes down to, okay, have a call to action mm. that really provides value to people. Right, right. 
So, I mean, what, what do you do usually? Do you usually test a bunch of image? I mean, it, it's set up like Facebook ads, right? I've been, I've been in the back end a little bit, right? You're, yeah. So you can have multiple ads under specific audiences or whatever it may be. How do you approach testing creative? Yeah, what we like to do is most clients who come on have at least two different calls to action that we can test out. So the first thing we're going to do to any one audience is test uh, our best shot at, at creative for one offer versus our best shot at, at creative uh, on a second offer. Uh, because we know that the offer, the, the call to action is, is you know, going to be the biggest uh, contributor to if it's a high performer or a low performer. But then once we know which call to action is higher converting, then, then we'll switch to, um, oh, I really like running tests of motivations. So one might be like a fear-based, like, hey, if you don't take advantage of this, you're going to get fired or look bad. And another one that's more aspirational, like if you do this, you'll be an early adopter, you'll be the hero and you'll look good. Uh, of course, you could test different videos, you could test different images. Um, but I think as long as you have good, uh, good creative that stands out, then the actual ad copy, the motivation that you hit on is the more important part of getting someone to click. So just, just for folks maybe that don't have as much background on what an offer means and a call to action means. And, and, and you know, often I'll see this mistake made where people don't try to test offers. And I'll admit I fall into this as well. Sometimes you're kind of like, oh, well, the offer's the offer. How do you approach testing offers? And like, for, for example, give me a, a, let's say, I'm, I'm sure that you run a lot of like webinar funnels, right? That's something you've run a lot of. So, yeah, so totally. what might two different offer variations of that seem like to you that you might test? Well, I'll take a, a step back. The way that we describe it to clients as they're trying to come up with different offers is you can ask some, you can ask anyone over advertising to do anything, but you know, you could ask them something that is, that requires very little of them and almost everyone's willing to do like, Hey, come and read this blog post or look at this infographic. And then you have on the other end, uh, calls to action that are really heavy that someone's not willing to take until they know, like, and trust you, like talk to our sales rep or buy now. And then you have everything in between. Well, LinkedIn is far too expensive, uh, unless you're in the Fortune 500, uh, to pay eight to twelve dollars a click to get people to come and read your blog post and then bounce. And we know we we can't get people to click on an ad that says you know buy now or talk to our sales rep. So what we generally shoot for is something in the middle where number one we're going to be collecting information from them, so they're going to become a lead. But number two, there has to be enough value in that offer that it makes it worth their while. Lots of times that's like, here's a free checklist or a cheat sheet or a guide. Uh, join our free webinar. We're, we're going to teach you how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, free in-person events. I mean, anything where you can say, there's a pain point that you have, we're going to teach you how to solve it is, as long as the pain point is acute to them, then it's going to work well. And you test multiple variations of these offers, like you might test a lead magnet versus like a webinar? Yeah, absolutely. And even around the same topic, like uh, we, have, we have clients who will create reports and then they'll slice that report up into an infographic and a guide and a, a checklist. 
And so even though all of them are around the same topic, uh, we can test and find out w which is the format that people are most interested in downloading. And, you know, we find most often we find that webinars are um, higher friction to get people to join because they know this is like 45 minutes in the middle of a busy day. But once someone has like listened to your expertise for 45 minutes, they're a lot more likely to take your call, a lot more likely to to purchase from you because now they know, like, and trust you. But yeah, we'll test different asset against uh, different asset mediums just to see what people like. I, I have to ask a follow-up question because I'm just personally curious. <laughs> when you're going through the testing process for these, how do you deal with having these back ends of these built up? Like, let's say that you're like testing a lead magnet versus a webinar. Do you have to build both of these things to be able to test that offer? Or do you have a testing methodology that gets around that somehow? Oh, yeah. I mean, we are, we're starting to actually create offers for our clients. We're, we're doing kind of pilot tests. But up to this point, we've basically told them like, hey, here's the guide for what makes a good offer. Go and create them and then, you know, bring them to us and, and we'll test them. Um, but yeah, I think you start with the promise because that's what's going to get people to convert on the landing page or in the form. They'll see you say, by watching this webinar, you're going to learn how to do X, Y, and Z. And then uh, you'll now know A, B, and C. And they haven't watched the webinar, but they've decided from that little teaser to, you know, whether or not they're going to convert. So that's the biggest part we care about is, okay, what is someone going to learn so that we can tease them with it and, and make them want to sign up? Right, right. Okay, great. So specifically with video, how does video help hurt or something else, <laughs> the sales process when people see it in the feed? What's so cool about video is, you know, you could download five of my white papers and still not feel like you know, like, or trust me, or, or maybe you do, who knows? But if you watch 30 second, you know, a 30 second video of me talking and sharing, um, you could leave that 30 second encounter with a, a higher feeling of, of trust and loyalty. So video, it's just such an incredibly powerful medium to communicate something. Uh, it also makes it really difficult to nail down in advertising because people will ask like, oh, well, what's the cost per lead of a video ad? And it's like, depends on what the video is asking someone to do. And, hmm. you know, was the first couple seconds enticing enough to make people actually watch or turn on the sound. So, you know, video ads on LinkedIn are totally, uh, you know, the wild, wild west. Um, I don't think anyone's figured out like what works and what doesn't work, but we've done enough testing. We have some good ideas. <laughs> okay. So let's do it. Let's go into it. Maybe just for a basis. Why don't we start here? Obviously, we know the things that work in Facebook and Instagram ads, which we all somewhat have an, have, have an idea of. These videos are square. These videos are stopping you in your tracks in the first couple of seconds because it's interruption marketing. Exactly. Um, and generally, these videos, especially if we're talking about, in this case, we're talking about B2B high ticket, right? they have some sort of warming up process so that there's less work to do after the click. So how would LinkedIn compare to this? Yeah, really, really similar in, in almost every regard. Uh, if you've run Facebook or Instagram video ads, uh, you'll find that, that LinkedIn 
follows a lot of the same rules. It's um, the first two seconds is what counts as a view on LinkedIn. And I know it's three seconds on, on Facebook. Um, so really, really important in that first like half second to a second, you want motion, you want to catch people's eye so that they'll, they'll stick around and watch. And they also play uh, autoplay in the feed, but muted. So, you know, just like Facebook. So it means it's really important to either burn your subtitles into the video or make sure you upload a .srt file because it's like 80% of people who finish watching the video have done that without their sound on. So make sure that they can get the gist by just reading. Right. So there's, uh, there's probably a lot of misconceptions out there about being, let's say, native to these specific platforms. So what is there a type of video? Like, what are the insights that you have where, where something feels uh, what works? <laughs> basically because of course you you could say oh well native video yeah it may feel more native to the platform but it doesn't it doesn't interrupt you as much i mean what have you seen work we've seen all kinds of different things work and all kinds of things that i thought would work fail <laughs> so what what it really comes down to is like first of all you have to have a thumb stopper people are scrolling down their feeds on every platform at record speeds and so you have to get their attention so that they'll either, you know, listen to the first couple lines of the video or read the couple lines of, of ad text to see if it's interesting to them. And part of getting someone to stop, that is having a thumbnail that is uh, contrasting against LinkedIn's blues, grays, and whites. So if you have something heavily saturated in oranges, reds, purples, greens, that's going to help it stand out. And then for the video, you, you absolutely want in that first half a second to a second, you want motion. I, I can't tell you how often we've had clients give us a video where it's like the first four seconds are fading from black into their logo. And we know 100% of the time, right. no one's sticking around to see what's coming out of the, the, the darkness. Like you, you've got to have something to show some motion and pique their curiosity. Right. And and square? Are we going square? Yeah, I would suggest square. Uh, if here's a little hint for the future, LinkedIn's going to be coming out with stories ads, and if you have a vertical video, uh, it becomes eligible or it, it will be eligible to run as a stories ad. Um, but yeah, I would suggest square. I think square is going to be the most important. Okay, so we're following the basic rules. YouTube has the same sort of rules, right? Like stop, pattern interrupt, all those things. And it's all sort of interruption marketing in a way, right? So we're doing those same sorts of things. Uh, but what about content? Is there anything specific with LinkedIn content? Or are we just like the basic pain, agitate, solve type of storyline? Yeah, you just, I mean, it's the same thing with B2B and B2C. You've got to convince someone that they have a problem and you know how to solve it. And it's got to be a significant enough problem that they're willing to invest their time or money into solving. So if, if you nail that, uh, you know, whether, whether your video is filmed on your, your Android at your desk or if it's you know, professionally filmed in a studio, it's, it's going to do the job. Two other questions I bet you that a lot of my listeners are thinking about right now. One is 
limiting beliefs around how much time people actually spend on LinkedIn. I bet you got some data on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and this is actually really interesting because a lot of the times I hear people talk about, oh, LinkedIn, it's not that interesting of a platform because people don't spend a lot of time on there. Right. But what it actually means to me as, as someone who has advertised on Facebook a good bit is because people live on Facebook, it means your ads are going to tire out very quickly. You know, you've got to refresh your ads you know, some, sometimes more than once a week. Whereas with LinkedIn, because people only log in three or four times a month on average, and they're only spending you know, a few minutes at a time, uh, you can run the same ad that's a high performer for a month, sometimes longer without your ads saturating that audience and, and stopping to perform. So it actually makes- Are we working with easier. smaller audiences typically on LinkedIn? Uh, typically, yeah, it'll be smaller than Facebook just because there are fewer people, but you know, in B2B, you don't want everyone. You only want the people who are like yeah. your ideal target audience, people of a certain seniority or higher, or only someone who's in a certain industry or company size. Right. Right. Um, okay. And then, um, what about the way that we actually run these video ads? Um, I, there's obviously just like all the platforms, you have many different options. You can go in when you start setting up a campaign, you can choose to go after conversions, website visits. And then of course there's video views. How do you like to run video campaigns? Yeah. So this is one of my dirty little secrets. When I run video campaigns, uh, I will actually run it as a, uh, as a website visits objective and the reason why is because I can then pay for video views on a per click basis. And that way, if you have a video that tons of people will watch, you don't have to pay for all those viewers. You're only going to pay when someone actually clicks to your landing page. But if it's a really high performing video, like tons of people want to watch, then after I've run it as a website visits objective, I'll test running it as a video views objective just to see if I can get the, the effective cost per click lower. That's interesting. You're not going to run it as like a conversions campaign. Obviously, if I was on Facebook, that's what I'm doing like all the time, right? Yeah, that's one of the sore spots for me is Facebook has uh, so much data on people and LinkedIn just doesn't. So LinkedIn has the same algorithm. It has the same objective, but even on Facebook, they tell you that you should have 50 to 100 conversions per week uh, on right. your pixel to help train the model. And I, I've worked with all of the biggest spenders on LinkedIn. And I can tell you, there's not that many people who are getting 50 to 100 conversions per week. Uh, you know, they have to be spending that much on a single campaign to, to get that kind of data. So most of the time, I'm just going to run website visits if I want to get them to a landing page. And I'll test conversion a little bit later uh, just to see if it improves it. Or so you're I'll saying use, you, you yeah. like rarely run conversion campaigns at all. Exactly. And I still care about the conversions. Interesting. Like our goal. Yeah. We, we still want the conversion to be happening. We're still tracking it. We're, we're still reporting to the client on it, but ultimately we know that we will pay LinkedIn less uh, by using a different objective, even if what our real objective is, is conversion. I think what's interesting there is that with Facebook and Instagram advertising, there's just, because again, because they have so much information and there's such a bigger platform, there's, there's that whole other level that we're not even going into, which is obviously when you're going, you, you always go for conversions on Facebook and Instagram. This is a mistake that a lot of beginners make because Facebook and Inst it's going to segment out 
people based on their likelihood to convert. Whereas it sounds like with LinkedIn, smaller audiences, less data, it's just not as much of a consideration there with objective, right? You're just mostly talking about how do I get the cheapest impressions on my target audience? Is that more what we're talking about? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. The targeting on LinkedIn is so good. I can make sure that 100% of the people who are in my target audience are exactly who I would want there. So uh, I'm, I'm going to choose the objectives, uh, you know, pull the levers and push the buttons in LinkedIn that may say different things. So, you know, my real objective is conversions, but I know that LinkedIn is going to charge me more for a conversions click and it probably doesn't have enough data to, to make use of it. So I'll tell LinkedIn, my objective is website visits, but I'm going to use it like a conversions campaign. So it's just- Is that typically how you're charged? Is it mostly a CPC charge on LinkedIn or is it a CPM? Uh, it's, it, you can do either. We're big fans of, of lower bidding on the CPC side. Uh, LinkedIn hates us for that. We get reps telling us all the time, please quit, te quit teaching people uh, to, to bid low on CPC. But we find that it's 90% <laughs> of the time, it's the cheapest way to get traffic. And LinkedIn's default is, is called uh, maximum delivery or what used to be called auto bidding. And that's the yeah. most expensive way to pay, uh, you know, 90% of the time. But, you know, if we can test CPC and then find that it's performing so well that it makes sense to run as, as CPM or auto bidding, then we'll switch over to it actively. So you're definitely pulling a little more levers, flipping switches more with LinkedIn to make it work since it's a bit of a newer platform. Exactly. And, and that's what I love, the hacking. Like it's uh, early Google days. That's what we used to do is, oh, okay. Google tells you that it's trying to do this, but test and see if it actually is. And that's what it is on LinkedIn right now. LinkedIn will tell you, you know, they have all this AI and machine learning that's, that's powering their things. It's like, well, okay, just test it first and see if, uh, the old stuff is still going to outperform the new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so typically you said that an average CPC might be around eight to $12. So you're typically going in there and bidding like target CPC of like five bucks to, to get them in to, and underbidding it. Is that how you normally roll? So there are two different kinds of, of CPC bidding. One's just called manual and one's called target CPC. Uh, we don't use target. We haven't, found a case where it works better <laughs> than just like a max CPC. Uh, but uh, what we'll do is we'll go in and put in like $2 in the bid and LinkedIn will come back and flash in red letters like, oh, the minimum bid for this audience is actually 515 or 620 or something like that. And so once you know where the floor is, you can set your bids right at the floor and just see how it, how it works. And of course, if you get two days into advertising and you haven't spent anything, Newsflash, yeah, you, you have to go and increase those bids. But what happens if you start advertising at the floor and you spend your whole budget? Well, you just got the cheapest cost per click possible on LinkedIn. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. It's so it's so backwards from some of the other ways of thinking on the other platforms. That's that's very totally. cool. <laughs> uh, and, and, and of course, this is turning into a little bit more of a LinkedIn ads in general. But the thing is, you kind of have to, right? I mean, because there's so little, I mean, you're like, <laughs> you're like, I've been doing this for six years, Matt, but still, as you know, LinkedIn ads, is just, it's just not really like something that is in people's minds a lot. You still often hear, oh, 
I was thinking about maybe testing LinkedIn ads in six months. That's like all that I ever hear from people exactly. <laughs> very often. There's just like not a lot of people that are testing it. And I think they may be intimidated by the money, but also just there's a lot of other things uh, there as well. So that's why we're diving in. So so why don't we go just a little bit more? Tell me, like, let's 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 add some more credence to the claim that you you. So you said earlier that LinkedIn is amazing at finding your perfect target audience. How do we do that? Yeah, so LinkedIn has like uh, 28 different targeting facets and almost all of them are around who someone is professionally. So if you're in business to business, chances are uh, you know the job title or the the seniority uh, or you know the department or you know those kinds of things about who is likely to make the decision to buy your product. And so we can target by someone's job title, their level of seniority, uh, what department they work in. We can target by specific company names for you account-based marketers. Uh, we can target by company size, industry, and that's probably only about a fifth of all of the options there are available for targeting. And so we love, you know, you could take the same target, like let's say someone is a chief information officer. Uh, I have four different ways I could target that person according to LinkedIn. I could target them by job title or uh, by the, the job function of IT with a C-level seniority. I can target by IT skills and put a C-level seniority on top. Or I could go and target like a senior IT or CIO groups on LinkedIn. And so we will uh, set up campaigns uh, all um, four different campaigns targeting essentially the same persona using different targeting. And we'll find out which of these targeting gives us better lead quality and lower costs and more volume. It, it gives us a lot more switches to pull. Interesting. So, I mean, to, to do that level of testing, do you have to start at like, what's the minimum ad budget you would start with to do that? Like 500 bucks a day, or is that too much? Or is that not enough? I recommend starting at about 5,000 a month. If you're, uh, it's a really good amount to dip your toe in the water if you're focused on North America. Um, and the reason why I like that is once you've spent about $5,000, by the end of that, you should have statistical significance around your conversion rates, as long as you're, uh, you're actually converting decently. And so I love for someone to be able to get to the end of their first month of budget and go, yes, this is working or no, this sucks. We should quit. <laughs> Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So not quite as much as I thought. That's good. <laughs> That's good news. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So back to video, what types of, what types of, uh, well, actually one, one last question about audiences while we're on it. Um, how, like, are, are, are you less like, like what's your target audience size for one of these campaigns? What are you trying to go for here? Ooh, like what, like pretty small. Yeah, you know, I think the general consensus on Facebook is you want to have audiences that are over a million people so that Facebook's algorithm can sort and find the right people. We take exactly the opposite approach on LinkedIn. It's like LinkedIn's algorithm isn't going to actively go and find people of higher quality than what I can choose. So I'm going to create very small audiences, usually between about 20,000 to 80,000. And uh, the happy outcome that we get from this not only are you getting good lead quality, but you also have all of these campaigns that are narrowed down by just a certain job title in a certain industry or of a certain company size. 
And the data that it throws off to you as a, a, a as an ad manager is really detailed. It's, it's kind of like running a private focus group with your ideal target audience. You can tell which motivations or uh, which calls to action or which offers every individual kind of segment of, of your audience likes. So uh, we like it for the data as well. That's very cool. That's really good to know. Typically, uh, smaller audience sizes in media buying tend to, and obviously, as you can tell, I, I'm a pretty experienced nerdy media buyer, which is why I'm asking yes. all these granular <laughs> questions. But um, uh, typically, smaller audience size leads to higher cost of advertising because obviously there's less people to fight over, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And so ultimately, the smaller the audience size, the more expensive it's going to be. But you're saying that you don't see that as much on LinkedIn, right? And so this is how you roll. Yeah, if you go much smaller than 20,000, uh, like a lot of times we'll run account-based marketing campaigns for clients where they'll say, here is a list of the six companies that we want to uh, get into our funnel. And so we'll be running this campaign with like, you know, 800 people in it. And yeah, we're going to have to pay $14 a click for, for those or, or maybe even more right. because we need enough data. And so we have uh, to make sure it's working. So we have to kind of convince LinkedIn every opportunity show our ad instead of someone else's. But if you're, you know, 20,000 to 80,000, and let's say you have uh, several different campaigns running, if one of them isn't competitive enough to LinkedIn and they can't show it, they'll probably still show the others and you can still spend a budget. So a couple of things here about video specifically. One, I'm interested to hear if you've seen and tested any different formats, um, like some sort of animation type explainer type video, which does seem a little bit native to LinkedIn um, versus a sort of direct response, like running like a three to five second, like could be an image, but it's a video uh, versus uh, actually having a human presenter and what sort of production qualities people sort of expect, uh, right? I mean, like, for example, on YouTube, it's very different from Facebook and Instagram. I would assume very different on LinkedIn. Same thing on Pinterest video, TikTok video. I mean, every type of video ad seems to have a different sort of thing that performs. What do you see as far as, I don't think genre is the right, the right, <laughs> the right, but <laughs> you, you know, like what types of videos I think and it could be... be for specific niches as well. I mean, maybe there's some that work for some niches than others. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to how to stand out. Because as you well know, it doesn't matter what platform it is. It doesn't matter how good your video is. If no one watches it, it's, it's not going to be useful. So if in your first you know, second or two, you've shown someone that, that hey, there's something interesting going on, then it's going to perform well. Uh, we've seen cartoons and comics, either as images or or video, perform really well. Because when you're on LinkedIn, you're you're looking at this big feed of people who are all in suits and ties. It's all white dudes, and you know when you have something that's a little bit playful, it stands out. But you could just as easily start with, uh, you know, a, a talking head of someone, you know, saying a statement that resonates with you. Um, and people go, oh yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm interested to hear more about this. So I don't think it really matters. I would say try to test all kinds of different uh, types of video, but as long as you can catch someone in that first you know, couple seconds, and uh, I generally recommend um, uh, 
sorry, what am I saying? I generally recommend shorter videos on LinkedIn because people just, they're in a hurry. They're on their way to do something. So they're not going to stick around for very long. But if you've got a video between, you know, 15, 30 seconds, you'll have a good chunk of people who actually watch to the end. What's the mobile desktop breakout? Oh boy, I wish I knew. Um, this is the sore spot because since the very beginning of LinkedIn ads, I've been asking, like, please give us the ability to, to target by, uh, by device. And they've always said no. They just said, oh, we don't care. It's nowhere on our roadmap. Um, and you can't so, even see the data of where your ads no. are getting served? No. The only way we find wow. is if we're sending traffic to a website, we could then go look at that traffic and see how much came from mobile versus desktop. And it seems to be about in the 60 to 70% of, of traffic is, is mobile. But boy, I wish we had data like directly from LinkedIn because you know, you're, you're jumping through some hoops saying all kinds of browsers are going to click through at the same rate and you're drawing some conclusions. It's interesting. I mean, you know, I mean, for, for other platforms, you're looking at like 90% plus at this point that are mobile. I would assume desktop is more. And I guess in your sort of rudimentary testing, you've seen that there is a little bit more desktop traffic there as well. And I, I would think that that would somewhat change the way that you approach some of the creative aspects, right? Or, or do you not think about it much? Yeah. I mean, we love desktop traffic because someone has the full faculties of a full keyboard. And so when you have five fields you're asking for, like, hey, give us first name, last name, email, a phone number, and your job title. If you ask someone to do that on mobile, they're going to think twice, like, do I really want this white paper or something? Um, but on desktop, they're going to convert at a much higher rate. So I, I love desktop traffic, but the only ways that we can make sure we are getting desktop traffic is by using either text ads or dynamic ads. And because they're in the right rail, which doesn't exist on mobile, but they have such low click-through rates that it's really hard to spend a, a large budget at all on. Um, they're you know, cheaper ad formats and they don't, they don't get clicked on as often. Now, if you're asking somebody to sign up for a white paper or a checklist or some, some lead magnet like that, I mean, you can get people to sign up for that anywhere. Do, do, do these, I mean, and, and ultimately you're, that's not going to serve much, right? I mean, ultimately those people for these high ticket opportunities are booking a call, a demo, scheduling something. Do you find that people on LinkedIn convert better down the funnel? Is that sort of where we're at or is it the targeting? Like what, what, what are your thoughts there about having that less friction offer? Because sometimes more friction, as we know, can be a good thing because it can lead to higher quality leads, but LinkedIn expensive, right? So then it's, you're always doing that balance. What's your thought process around that? Uh, yeah, I have so many thoughts here. I just have to gather them. So uh, what we Love find, <laughs> especially when we compare, um, we've got a client right now that we're doing a, a cross-platform study with, and we find that even though Facebook costs a, a third of what LinkedIn costs on a per-click basis, because the targeting is so broad for B2B on Facebook that the sales team has to throw out 80 to 90% of the leads and just call them low quality or not worth following up with. But with LinkedIn, we got to select, you know, the exact seniorities and titles and everything of this audience. So we know, you know, nearly 100% of them are going to be perfect. So we shouldn't have to throw anything out. So if you're looking at just a cost per conversion, Facebook's always going to look less and LinkedIn's always going to look more. 
But if you're watching all the way down to the sales qualified lead or sales accepted lead, whatever you call it, what you'll find is LinkedIn's leads are not only higher quality um, because they, they pass muster, they're, they're more in your target audience, but they're a higher quality person who will probably still like show up to their appointment and, and the lead's going to convert higher. And because you got to select by how large the company was, you can be mm. sure that this is a company who can afford you know, your price point. So lots of benefits to just using LinkedIn's targeting, even if it appears more expensive. Okay. Interesting. So, so you would generally recommend going for the lower friction offer and then just figuring out through email or whatever it may be to find a way to get the sort of ultimate goal of the conversion through the back end of the funnel. Yeah. It's a data play when it comes down to it. And if, uh, if you are pulling all of your data from offer that might convert at a higher rate versus one that might convert at a lower rate, it's going to be really hard to make the decision to go with whatever converts at a lower rate until you have enough data. So we would much prefer to show something that gets a lot of conversions, a really high conversion rate, and then, then look at down funnel and, and say, Ooh, this isn't converting as well to a meeting or a phone call or uh, not as many of these people are responding over email. Let's go try a different offer. So I, I would much rather go with, more conversion volume, and then modulate what kind of offer if we need to. This is great. This has been a really super nerdy conversation. I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, know, I know we're running low on time. I just have two quick questions, two last ones to wrap it up. Is there B2C opportunity here or no? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we find, I mean, most B2C is small ticket items and small deal sizes um, and short sales cycles but there are some elements of B2C that work really well on LinkedIn. Uh, one is recruiting, technically a B2C activity, but of course you care about what skills and expertise someone sure. has incoming. Sure. Uh, we find even travel and, um, and financial services tend to- Like coaching well. and consulting? Yep, yep. Uh, especially for the- Which the is B2C. Packages. Yeah, it's, uh, that works really well. Um, financial money management- you know, you can target people that if, if you have a VP or above title at a company with at least 500 people, you could imagine that person probably has disposable income and is thinking about investing. So that it's a good audience to show to and say, hey, come invest your money with me. And that, that's, 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 that's great. Um, just, I'm just trying to break down all the limiting beliefs here because <laughs> there are <laughs> so many. Job. And that, that sort of leads me into my last question. Do you feel that this is still, if it ever was, a blue ocean? That's a really good question. And one that I have kind of a mixed response to. Um, all the other platforms that I've, I've jumped into, uh, I got in really early. So I got into Google ads when it was like five cents a click minimum. And what happened is everyone who tried it, it was so cheap they had success even if they were making mistakes. And so they would go and tell their friends and, and they'd speak at conferences and say, if you're not using Google ads, you're doing it wrong. And competition has risen over time to become more expensive. And now you actually have to know what you're doing to, to run Google ads. Same kind of thing with Facebook. It was like a third of a cent per click. <laughs> and now, you know, now we're up into the realm where you could actually spend some money on Facebook wrong if, if you didn't know what you were doing. 
But LinkedIn started out expensive. They set a, a bid floor, you know, 13 mm-hmm. years ago that said no one can bid under uh, under $2 per click. And so th- they really missed that grassroots of all these people finding out at a really cheap price that this is great and went and told their friends. So I, I think it's, it's blue ocean in, in that uh, a lot of times your competitor hasn't bothered to advertise yet. And so you can still have first mover advantage, but it's, it's also kind of red ocean because the costs started out higher. And, you know, when a platform's expensive, it means that any mistake you make automatically becomes an expensive mistake. So it, it's, uh, it can be elements of both. And you may say that, um, but you would probably say that unlike on Facebook, it's there's a much higher likelihood that your competition in your specific market is much lower on LinkedIn. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And even on top of that, like the number of people who are doing LinkedIn ads wrong far outweighs those who are doing it right. So even if you're late to the game, even if your competitor's already there, chances are you can go in and just take some of the advice that we've shared today and you can undercut your competition by, you know, getting leads for 30% less than they are. And uh, so, yeah, don't let it turn you off if your competitor is already there. This has been, this has been super interesting, AJ. Thank you so much. This was, uh, I just, I just, I just wanted to sort of give you the, uh, to interrogate you fully (laughs) about media buying on LinkedIn. (laughs) I think we got into a lot of video there. I think at the end of the day, it seems like video sort of similar to what you might do on other platforms. You're still trying to pattern interrupt. You get the opportunity to build trust, uh, likability and authority in video like you don't in image ads um, and really um, make make sure you're bidding on website clicks, I think is a huge one. Uh, But in general, I think it's just important for everybody to know that it is a possibility out there if you have a relatively high ticket product. So thank you for sharing all that. Oh, and thanks for letting me get real geeky on you. Oh, I love it. I love it. At the cost of alienating some of my audience. Screw it, man. I love this stuff. <laughs> if you don't know it, you can listen to the podcast a bunch of times over and then, then you'll get it, right? Yeah. Well, it's always better in... to go deeper than shallower. That's how I feel. I agree. And if anyone feels like they got left behind on this one, uh, I, I host the podcast called The LinkedIn Ads Show. If you go and listen to episode one, it's basically just like an introduction to the LinkedIn ads platform and should be a lot simpler. So uh, feel free to check that one out if you feel like you got left behind. Yeah, that's great. And, and where else can we find out more? You also, uh, obviously you have the agency, but you also have some education materials as well, right? Yeah, I did the course on LinkedIn learning around LinkedIn ads. So if you have a, a LinkedIn learning subscription, um, you know, go take that course, that one's good. You can, of course, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just make sure you customize the invite and tell me that you heard me on Matt's show. Uh, so I, I make sure I can <laughs> go in and accept the invite. Um, but certainly if you're into podcasts, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. Uh, I, I share all our best stuff on the podcast. I love this. You know, what's funny is that uh, just as an aside, uh, I have actually found myself getting more uh, connection uh, success through my my sales reps and stuff when they're trying to connect with people and they're not adding a note and they have a different headline because how many connection requests do you get today 
that basically like it's always like a we help xyz scale to xyz and yes. xyz and i'm like oh my gosh well you are not connecting with me because you want to go out for drinks right like, you are you're like that's not what we're doing i i actually find more success like leaving let like more information out so that people are just kind of like oh do i know this person maybe i met him and i forgot all right i'll click it yeah <laughs> Yeah. In general, I, I concur, but for me, I I've just, I've never accepted invites from people that I didn't, I didn't know why they wanted to connect. And so I just assume if it comes without a connection request that it's, it's spam. Um, but if they do include a note and it's the generic, like, Hey, I see we share common connections. I, I know it's a, <laughs> it's going to be spam. So I just ignore those ones too. Yeah. Yeah. You have to really be really guarded about the, uh, about that stuff these days. It's, it's, it's an interesting time. AJ, thank you so much for being here. This was great. Um, and thank you all for being here. Uh, I hope you got value in this show. Definitely check out AJ's other stuff. I think this podcast, you go listen to a little bit of AJ's stuff and you'll be ready to run some campaigns on LinkedIn in no time, I think. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week.